Well, good afternoon and thank you for joining me for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later on the program, we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips. But right now, we're going to go cross over to Christina Karakadis, who's just come back from an exciting trip over in the States. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian, and it was indeed exciting. And Rock the Boat was probably the right uh, song to come into. I think so, because I think lots of things are about to be rocked, or they are being rocked at the moment. We just don't, we don't always hear about them. They're not always in our sphere of influence. Um, but, you know, I think uh, with the internet, with the world becoming a much more connected place, it, it's easier to find out about these things. Uh, and I tell you, sitting in a room with, um, with uh, you know, about 80 other people listening to some of the advancements and developments that are going on in the world... One of the biggest questions is, as we've discussed before, is ethically where do we all sit and we're all going to be having to make ethical judgments on what is going on out there at the moment. So, so was a lot of it focused on the neuroscience uh, side of things? Yeah, we had we had quite a bit of information um, thrown at us around the neuroscience. Also, you know, there was neuroscience, there was AI, um, the whole robotics thing, virtual reality, augmented reality. Uh, we had sessions on cryptocurrencies and blockchains and things like that. So by the... You know, somebody said to me the other day, well, what, what were your main takeouts? I said, you know what, I, I, so much that I really need to go back and have a look at it all over again. Um, but today I thought we might talk about some of the neuroscience um, um, advancements that are going on out there because it's all brain connected and we're discovering, as we know, more and more about the brain every day. Mm. Um, and some of the things that, that have, like, sometimes it is watching that circle go round because, you know, when we had... Um, problematic behavioural um, activities some years ago, people were using electricity. Well, now we absolutely know that electricity treats electrical causes and, and this isn't, isn't so much new information, but the, the way that they're treating Parkinson's um, with batteries, you know, battery replacements, almost like a pacemaker sort of thing, um, we saw some incredible evidence of how that is making people's lives so much easier. There was a really interesting case study of a, of a you know, professional violinist. He was first mm. violinist in a particular orchestra who started developing Parkinson's, but to you and I, if we, if we had dinner with him, we wouldn't notice that he had Parkinson's. However, it was deeply affecting his playing in the orchestra, so much to the point where the, there was an example of him playing the violin um, without the electrical impulses going into his system. Uh, and then he... he was quite capable, absolutely beautiful, perfect playing when he had the electrical impulses going through. Mm. So some of the conversations started around, well, how far would you go to augment yourself? Mm. You know, mm. what, where, where does that stop? Is it okay for a, um, a first-grade violinist to augment um, their behaviours with, you know, with, this electrical, um, in, with these electrical impulses? Um, it also works for, you know, depression. They're starting to find out that um, depression is also reacting to deep brain stimulation. So it's enhancing memory. It's enhancing sport performance. Where do you stop with it? How far, you know, how far do you go with it before it becomes ethically questionable? Yeah. We know that ultrasound waves are, are having um, deep effects on, on people. Um, so we talked about sonogenetics, um, genetically sensitising people, transcranial magnetic stimulation, which is kind of coming into its own. But I think one of the more practical things, if I pull it back into language that we can all understand, um, 
they're training. So somebody who has become a paraplegic through a, through a through an accident, uh, and are being now trained using exoskeletons. But we're also getting some VR immersion um, of paraplegics, where the body is actually fooled into thinking that things are real, that yeah. movement is real, that you know. So the body's, and we know that the body can is plastic and can, or the brain is plastic. Sorry. Um, I sometimes think we wish the body was plastic, <laughs> um, but the the we can create new pathways in the brain. So with with paraplegics, they've done some work, um, total immersion in VR, then using the exoskeletons, um, they're finding that that um, some of the paraplegics that they're doing their studies with have regained movement, which is mm. quite mm. quite a remarkable thing when you think that you know somebody has been told that they'll never walk again or they'll never. That you know have movement in the left side of their body, or, or you know whatever capacity it is, mm. to actually regain that. So we're wondering how far. You know how we always say that you know you are your thoughts. We create our realities through our thoughts. Mm. The the whole system of thinking around that is now bringing that really back into reality. Apparently, now here's a bit of conspiracy theory. Um, apparently, the U.S. government is funding studies around telepathy and mind reading, yeah. and we were we were shown an example of. Um, of a dream sequence where the the brain was hooked up to a particular visioning machine and some of the visions that were created through this visioning machine very much matched up with, um, oh, the, with the dream sequence. Yeah. Mm. So it's almost like then you get into the whole um, area of, well, if, if you can extract these thoughts, what kind of thoughts can you then implant? Mm. You know, and, and there is discussions around what happens if we connect humans to machines and we're talking about um, artificial intelligence that, that is developing EQ, so emotional intelligence as well. Mm. You know, what happens, there's a whole group of, uh, there's a movement in the States and I'm sure, well, actually it's worldwide. It's called um, the humanistic uh, movement or transhuman, sorry, transhuman movement where there's a whole group of people that actually want to merge consciousness with machines because they believe in you know, longevity of life, and and if not just longevity of life, extended life, you know, where mm. potentially maybe we don't die. Um, well, I know you're excited about this, but we might have to have a break and go to the sponsorship. And <laughs> we then shall. We might have a look at some of the practical applications when we come back. Let's uh, talk about some, practi- some of the practical points you got from the conference. Yeah, so I guess one of the things is when we have meetings um, at work, and, you know, I know we've probably talked about this um, before as well, but... We really need to shake meetings up. We need to make meetings productive. We need to give people a reason to look forward to going to meetings rather than, you know, than going, oh, you know, here we go, another wasted hour sort of thing, which mm. which unfortunately does happen in, in um, quite a few organisations. But there's a few really easy um, steps and practical things that you can do to increase the brain stimulation during meetings. For one thing, people often, because they're, they're not looking forward to the meetings, they go in ready to be the critic, ready to lay judgment, instead of ready to be creative and ready to be understanding of problems that are, that are um, being brought up at the meetings and coming up with some really good responses and some solutions. So some of the things, I mean, as, as simple as it sounds, are to play games. So, But what it is is playing, playing the sort of games that um, might stimulate a bit of laughter because we know that that lifts um, creativity uh, and critical thinking skills but also playing games that are a little unusual so that you're asking your body to do different things. So there's a whole a whole range set in, in that, and I'm not actually going to try and describe what they are on radio, just mm. to say that. It's, all, it's the same principle as if you get up in the morning and you normally brush your teeth with your right hand, 
Bosh with your left, left hand because yeah. what you're doing is, yeah, you know, is creating, um, you're opening different different areas in the brain, and they've proven all of this um, with brain science. They've proven it using, um, you know, uh, the senses when they when they're doing some of the brain testing patterns. Also, making and, and you we've, we've talked about this before, but making it safe for people to say something silly or come up with a with a crazy solution because you know, as we've said before, the day well, before an tall. idea is fantastic, it's a crazy idea. Mm. Um, you know, that whole idea about failure without blaming, um, increasing the bonding within organisations so that people feel safe and using that yes and mentality so that people are, are um, afforded the opportunity to almost play like children. The other thing that was really interesting around this as well was the, the use of colour, and I know we do this in a lot of our workshops, but using colour, um, particularly using visual cues. So instead of just writing down an idea in words, draw the idea, see what it looks like. And it could be as simple as using stick figures, but they've had mm. some really good successes um, with visual thinking, even even in demonstrating what a strategic plan is. And I know that, um, I know Zappos did this. So Zappos sent out some information and they wanted to make their, their financial um, their financial systems really clear to a lot of the employees. And instead of going, you know, here's the process, here's what it does, dot point, dot point, dot point, what they did was they created comics. So they actually explained the processes to people using visual um, cues and using, you know, the old comic book formula. Mm. We can do that with our own strategic plans. You know, you can actually sit down, write up your strategic plan and then have somebody or have your organisation go, all right, let's put some visuals to this. Let's make it interesting. Let's put it in, in almost kid terms that people can understand, even if it's not their area of expertise. So, so it takes us back to the mind mapping ideas, doesn't it? It certainly does, you know, and just the, the visual cues, because we aren't all, we all learn differently, but the visual cues we all seem to be able to receive most of the time, and it puts us in a completely different mindset. So, you know, there's that whole idea about a design in itself, but also visual design and it being to stimulate, uh, being able to stimulate, A, um, conceptually how you, you might come up with a problem, but B, how you actually understand the problem that you're trying mm. to come up with the solution for. So that whole idea about ambidextrous thinking, you know, how let's swap things over. Uh, and in the end, we're, we're all really just concerned with what the customer wants, as opposed to the structure and the, and the function and the formality. It is... It's how do we get those messages that we really want to get across to our to our clients, you know, whether they're yeah. retail customers, service customers, whatever they are. Mm. All right. Well, thanks very much for your time. And I, I can see you're really excited. So keep, keep that excitement going for a couple of weeks because we're not back till the 1st of February. So thank you for being with us for the last uh, 12 months and uh, have a safe uh, Christmas. My pleasure, Julian. Thank you. And, uh, and uh, you know, a peaceful, joyous, happy, love-filled Christmas to, to you and to everybody that's listening. Thank you very much for having me all year. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there, really excited about that trip to the States. And uh, it would be good to catch up with her again in the new year, won't it? Today I thought we'd have a look at some marketing lessons from Santa. Santa is painstakingly reliable. Most of us awoke every Christmas morning, year after year, to find a plate sprinkled with cookie crumbles and uh, an empty milk glass and a bounty presence, all bearing witness to Santa's last night visit. Despite snowstorms and freezing temperatures, uh, or Dad losing his job, moving to a new house, or fighting with our brothers too much, Santa never let us down. Santa is the epitome of reliability. So the business lessons that we can learn from that 
How reliable is your business? Are you letting customers down? Like expectant children on Christmas morning, our customers have high expectation and it's our job to deliver or risk losing them. Make it a habit to ask customers if they've ever felt let down by your company. What areas can you improve upon and what products or services they'd like you to offer? Be painstakingly reliable, builds trust and people buy from companies they trust. Second point is that Santa surprises and delights us. Who doesn't think of Santa and smile? Why is that? It's because he always surprises and delights us. Whether it's a flashing jovial smile and a belting out a jolly ho-ho-ho, delivering that Barbie doll or being observed for months or making a surprise appearance with a bag full of goodies at a holiday party, happiness and smiles follow Santa wherever he goes. So the business lesson we can learn from that, can you say the same about your brand? Does your business leave a blasting smile and happy thoughts? Do you surprise and delight? If not, study your competition and your industry. Talk to people and find out where others let customers down. Then do something that no one else in your industry does. Find that something extra to add to your product or service package. Customers love the unexpected, so what can you do to surprise and delight them? Thirdly, Santa encourages us to write. Everyone knows that Santa loves getting our letters and even reads every single one of them. And what does he ask of us? Nothing, but to list all the presents we want him to deliver on Christmas morning. So the business lesson from that is, imagine if our customers felt comfortable enough to give us their wish lists. Don't you think it would help us understand and serve them better? What can you do to encourage your customers to stay in touch with you? Since we don't have our own North Pole address, I'd recommend things like suggestion boxes or on or offline surveys and service follow-up calls. Fourthly, Santa rewards good behaviour. Have you been naughty or nice? Your answer could mean the difference between that diamond necklace you've been eyeing or a big lump of coal. Business lesson from that, businesses can build their brands by rewarding good and behaviour too. Did a customer buy more than usual? Reward them with a discount or extra freebie. Did a customer refer you or leave a raving review? Send a special present or gift certificate to say thank you. Rewarding good behaviour not only shows the customer your appreciation, it encourages them to do it again. And Santa is one of a kind. Santa has an image like no one else. Long white beard, velvety red suit and shiny black boots. Santa has a catchphrase, ho, ho, ho. Santa knows his target market are children. Santa also knows three things set him apart from the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy and Mums and Dads. And he used them to build the Santa brand to be unmistakable symbol it is today. We can take from that... A look at take a look at your business. What can you make? What what can you do to make your business stand out from the crowd? Do you have that unique image, a symbolic uniform, a bright red sleigh, or bald white eight towny reindeer, or maybe a, a fleet of red tux, trucks will do? A quirky catchphrase. Find your uniqueness and do something big to stand apart from the competition. Bottom line is, Santa understands marketing. He builds on the most recognisable brand that ever exists by doing those things. 
Surely we may never be as popular as Santa, but by following his example, we can certainly create our own little version of magic. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour and for the past year. I hope you've enjoyed the program. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. I'd love your company again for Business, The Law and You next year on the 1st of February. Until then, have an exciting and safe uh, Christmas and a prosperous New Year. And as David Cameron once said, Christmas gives us the opportunity to pause and reflect on the important things around us. A time when we can look back on the year that passed and prepare for the next one. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.